If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We begin a series today on the wonder of Christmas. Today we begin with an unusual title, The Real Christmas Story. You know, when I look at this culture, and I see what we're doing in our culture, there's some things that really concern me. Because we have a culture now, teenagers, please listen to this. We have a culture that now seems to want to try to revise history. We look at what's going on, we, we just kind of want to re, rewrite it. And imagine my shock when I learned a couple of years ago, or when I was told a couple of years ago, that the pilgrims were not religious people and didn't come seeking religious freedom when they came to Plymouth Rock. Or how when I was told that, that the Word of God had nothing to do with the founding of this nation, and I, and I go to any national monument, what do you see inscribed on there? It is the Word of God. Or how about the universal principle that seems to be going around our culture now, that Christmas is offensive to somebody. Can you figure that out? I have not figured it out, how Christmas could be offensive. And yet... We say there is, we say there's no religion, and we just try to rewrite history. And I just want to say, I want to go on record before you that my parents taught me this, your parents taught you this, is that when an act is done, you can't change it. For instance, if I were to go to the light switch over here and turn the lights off at 10 to 11 on December the 7th for time and eternity, you could go tell somebody, my crazy, weird old preacher went and turned the lights off at 10 to, 10 to 11 on December the 7th while we were in church. You could tell it. You might embellish it, but you could not change it. Do you understand what I'm trying to commun- communicate to you? You could not change it because history is like that. All we can do is we can learn it and we can live with it. When I read about Christmas and when I watch Christmas, I'm amazed at people that are trying to rewrite Christmas. It was refreshing and disturbing at the same time this week as I pulled up on the Internet what the History Channel webpage said about Christmas, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't know, so I wouldn't misquote it. It says, "It is a Christian holiday honoring the birth of Jesus Christ." Was anybody else shocked? Christmas evolved over two millennia into a worldwide religious and secular celebration, incorporating many pre-Christian pagan traditions into the festivities along the way. Today. Christmas is a time for family and friends to get together and exchange gifts. And everybody goes, Amen. I just want to say this to you. That last part is what disturbs me. Because if Christmas is Jesus' birthday, and all we do is get together with family and friends and exchange gifts and eat a lot of food we don't need and drink a lot of things that we don't need to drink, then we have missed the real Christmas story. If our first priority is only family and friends, we will never know what it is to really enjoy Christmas. That said, when Jesus comes to live in our lives and control our lives, certainly our family and friends will come into our circle in a new dimension and a new fellowship and a new enjoyment. But the very reason for Christmas is not the wonderful time we have with family and friends. It is more a wonderful time of celebrating the birth of the one who came to this earth to take us out of this world 
and put us in a place called heaven. He has come to give us abundant life, life to the fullest here. The best life you ever know, teenagers, will be what you find in Jesus. And He came at Christmas time. He is the real Christmas story, not we. So with all of that behind us, if you will, let's stand to honor the reading of God's Word, Matthew 1, verse 18 through the end of the chapter. You listen and follow along. This is indeed God's holy Word. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I'll just pause here because some are confused because she was betrothed, which means she was engaged. But in this culture, in this day, that betrothal was a lot more than just putting a ring on your finger and saying you're getting married. It was a commitment for life already. And the only way, once you got betrothed, the only way you could put somebody aside was to divorce them. Verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that would be Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the clarity of your word. And in the moments that remain, I pray that you will unveil the real Christmas story, the real story of why Jesus came and, and, and who Jesus is. I pray that you'll reveal that to us, that our lives will be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you want to read the Christmas story in completion, we will be in Luke in the next couple of weeks, but you can go read Luke 2. If you want to hear the Christmas story in summation, you know what that means, don't you? The short version. You'll find it right here. You'll find the Christmas story right here in verse 23. And, and verse 23 gives us three reasons to celebrate. You can follow on your device. You can write it down on the back of your bulletin. First of all, you can see the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas. If you look at verse 23, it says, Behold. Now, that means look up, pay attention. That means snap your head forward. You know what it reminds me of when a gospel writer does this? It reminds me of Charles Stanley. How many of you have ever heard Charles Stanley on TV? It reminds me of Charles Stanley. I heard him for years going, Listen up. Listen up. And what he's saying to you is pay attention because this is something very special. So you better listen or you're going to miss it. And he says, Behold. Now, watch the miracle. The virgin will conceive. Have you ever heard of such a thing in your life? That says the virgin. And somebody goes, well, what virgin is it? Well, does it really matter? Does it really matter? I mean, generally virgins, those who have never been with a man, 
Generally, they don't have babies. Could I get an amen? Generally, that's considered impossible. In fact, if your lovely wife had come to you while you were engaged and said, I'm expecting, and you guys had been pure, you would think something's going on, wouldn't you? Because generally, a virgin does not conceive. And this says the virgin. So which virgin is that? Let me tell you what it is and who that virgin is. It is the one God selected. We know her name is Mary. Just like God selected you for a task, you to do something, you to have a ministry, you to be saved. Just like God put his hand on you, he put his hand on her, on Mary. Yes, she was betrothed. Yes, she was engaged. Yes, she was committed. Yes, she was promised. And her husband, Joseph, her husband-to-be Joseph, knew that they had not been immoral or been improper in their behavior And he knew there was something special here, particularly as we will read in another place before the Christmas season is over, how the angel came and told him. You see, this was some kind of miracle. But let me tell you this, folks. Folks, people like miracles. People like, that's why they followed Jesus all over the countryside. So maybe he would bring some more bread from just a little bit, or maybe he'd bring some more drink. They love to see people get healed. People love miracles. And they wanted to hear Jesus do and see and and perform miracles. But the real miracle of Christmas, don't miss this, is that God touched, are you listening, a 13 to 15-year-old little girl, and she had a child. And you know what that meant? That meant Mary was her mother, and that meant Jehovah God was the father. Did you get that? Human parents, divine parents. Now, you're talking about a God that you can depend on, a God you can trust. It would seem to me that if God could touch one of our young ladies here and make her with a child, it seems like I can trust him. Could I get an amen? You see, the miracle of Christmas was that a virgin conceived. The second thing I see in this verse is not just the miracle of Christmas, but I see the man of Christmas because it says a virgin will conceive and bear a son. But I want to pause there just a second before we really develop that because I don't think we thought about this. Today it is no big deal to know what the gender or sex of your baby is going to be. In fact, you may or may not know this, but tomorrow about noon, I'm going to be a new grandpa. Miss Christie's delivering a little girl tomorrow, Aspen. It's been funny as she, as this pregnancy's developed, little Aspen's going to be a, either a soccer kicker or a field goal kicker. <laughs> and Christie will continuously go, boy, this babe, Aspen's mean. Aspen, that's her name, Aspen. And so Piper came to visit us the other day and said, I'm having a mean sister. <laughs> Listen. Today, we think nothing about knowing what the gender of our forthcoming baby is. But you know what? Let me tell you how, in my lifetime, when Christy was born, we didn't know what she was till she got here. You remember that, older people? Watch this. Not only did the angel say, you're going to bear a son. Four, excuse me, almost 700 years earlier, God gave it to Isaiah who said, The virgin will conceive and bear a son, chose the gender. And by the way, ladies, mom didn't choose the name of this baby. Dad chose this name and said, you will call his name Jesus. 
Next week we'll talk in Luke 1 about where the angel talks to Mary. And said, you'll give him this name, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the man of Christmas. But he's more than that. He is, he is the one who came from heaven. Now watch this. You had God as his father, Mary and his mother. So he was God, man. He was all of God, but he was all a man. He never took off any of his divinity in lieu of his humanity. And he never took off any of his humanity in his divinity. He was all God, all man. And you say, I don't understand that. Well, get in line. One of the things we preachers are bad guilty about is having you think that we should have this all figured out. There are some things we just can't comprehend. Our minds are too small. You can't comprehend the Trinity. You can't comprehend the God-man. You try to explain it, it'll drive you crazy. You'll lose your mind. You try to explain it away, you'll lose your soul. You see, Jesus is the reason for Christmas. He came. He came God to earth so that He could reach out to us, so that He could reach down to us, so that He could touch us, so that He could forgive us, so He could offer us His love, so He could offer us His heart, so He could touch us with His hands, so that He could save us from our sin, so that He could give us life to the fullest on this earth, so that He could give us life eternally in a place called heaven. Now, that's the Christmas story. This man, Jesus, the virgin will conceive and bear Jesus, the Son. I just want to say this to you without apology. The greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is not that $10,000 for your kids or from your parents. The greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is Jesus because he's the greatest gift that's ever been given. You know, one of the, one of the unspoken reasons that we give gifts to family and friends is so we can be like God our Father who gave us all he had. He gave us this very best gift. I don't remember this. It's obviously before my time. But in 1927, Time magazine began announcing the man of the year. Now, in 1999, that changed to the person of the year, but it still has largely been men. I want to say this to you. Jesus is not the man of the day, man of the hour, man of the month, or man of the year. Jesus is the man of the ages. He's the God of the ages. He is the one who will come and impact your life if you will let him. That's, that's an interesting concept. God has done so much to draw us to himself, to change us, to put our, to put our lives on a track that parallels him, to follow him. He's done so much, and still he gives us a choice. You see, the Spirit of God comes and speaks to us, and he speaks to us in terms of compassion. 
because he knows that we're fallen. He knows that we're sinful. He comes and he speaks to us with conviction to help us understand just how far we are from him in our sin. He speaks to us about our conversion because he wants to convert us from where we are to where he wants us to be. He wants to transform us by giving us a new heart, a new soul, a new mind. He speaks to us in terms of commitment. He never leaves it at the, at the point of conversion. He wants us to, be, to continue to progress. Last night I was privileged to speak to the deacon by over at North Highlands. And one of the things that I shared with them that their pastor needs from them, that I as a pastor need of my deacon men, I need your continual spiritual growth. You need not just to get your one foot inside and stop and decide you got it all figured out. You need to continue to grow to being just like Jesus. That's how God speaks to us. He speaks to us to call us to himself. But you know what? Like this or not, understand it or not, if I'd have let my son die, I wouldn't give you a choice. If my son died for you, you wouldn't get a choice in the matter. You would have to. I would force you to receive him. But God being God, he'll allow people to walk away. He did the rich young ruler. I've told you this before. If Jesus had been a Baptist preacher or a Baptist deacon, and the rich young ruler turned to walk away, James, they'd have thought about all that money and they'd gone. I'll come back. Maybe we can work something out. That's a sad epitaph. Jesus said it's all or nothing. And that's what he says to us. That's what the man of Christmas says. You see, he'll offer you an answer for this life. But make no mistake, he lets you decide what's the priority of your life. What's the priority of my life? The Christmas story is all about the miracle of Christmas. A virgin will conceive the man of Christmas and bear a son And it's all about the message of Christmas. This is the best part. The message of Christmas. That's the last part of that verse. And they'll call his name Emmanuel. And you know what that means? God with us. Now, you want a message for your family gathering? God with us. What a great story. What a great message. What a life-changing truth. God with us. I want you to think about something. In almost every religion that you'll discover in this world, in almost every religion you discover in this world, those who believe in that religion are trying to attain to be God. They're ascribing to get to God. They're hoping to gain God's favor. I mean, what kind of religion is it that the way you gain God's favor is pack a bomb, is stack a bomb on you and go and blow everybody else around you or fly planes into a building? What kind of religion is that? It is a religion where you're trying to seek God. But listen, only in Christianity did Jehovah God, Creator God, sustainer God, leave heaven. And instead of making us choose Him, instead of making us chase Him, He came to us. He left heaven. Have you ever thought about it? He left heaven. And He could have sent Jesus as an adult. Why in the world did He send Him as a baby? I don't have the answer to that. I have some ideas. 
But God sent Jesus. By the way, God didn't look through heaven and see who was willing. God didn't look through heaven and see who would go. God didn't look through heaven to choose a volunteer. God chose Jesus. God sent Jesus. God gave Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth. This is the message of Christmas. God with us. He came seeking for us. Years ago, one of the, my favorite songwriters at that time was a man named Lanny Wolf. We did the same Christmas program, Kendall, um, when I was a worship leader two or three years in a row. Lanny wrote it. Here's the words of one of the songs. He said, From the splendor of heaven to the world down below, from a manger to an old rugged tree, excuse me, old rugged tree, from the dawn of creation through the corridors of time, the Savior in love was seeking for me. He was reaching for me, but I rejected his touch. Instead, I reached for other things I thought meant so much. Things of value in earth's markets, I had sought all of them. But all the time I was seeking, I was seeking for him. So I reached out to Jesus crying, Lord, hear my plea, for I want you to have all of me. Then out of darkness I saw his light of love giving me a brand new start. Oh, praise the Lord, Jesus found me when I gave him my heart. He was seeking for me, seeking for me. Though I knew him not, still he loved me. He was seeking for me. He was seeking for me, seeking for me. Though I knew him not, still he loved me and was seeking for me. You can look in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, The Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of only God, the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came and dwelt among us. Do you know what that means in picture terms? It means Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He took up residence among us. He pitched his tent among us. He came seeking for us. I don't know why it is that songs are on my mind this morning, but Back in the 80s, a guy named David Clydesdale was one of the great choir songwriters. He would take songs and he'd put them in a context and just bring them to life. This was 87, 88, a couple of years. And here were the words to the chorus that still rings in my heart today. God gave the greatest gift of all when he gave Jesus. He gave the greatest gift of love wrapped in his son. He brought us hope. When there was nothing left to hope for. Redemption's story had begun as the long-awaited promise. The gift the world had been waiting for had come. The real story of Christmas is that God sent Jesus to give you the blessings of heaven God himself in your life. 
And he'll go with you wherever you go. He'll go with you whatever you do. Giving of himself is the real Christmas story. And the call to us today is to give of ourselves. Let's pray together.